Welcome to the Local Podcast. I'm your host, Clay Berkland. My guest today is Ted Thompson. Uh, if you've been affiliated with the livestock business in western South Dakota, there's a pretty good chance you're familiar with Ted. Ted, thanks for coming today. Yeah, glad to be here with you, Clay. On the off chance that there is somebody out there that's not familiar with you, uh, give me the the history of Ted. Start with Give me the first 25 years. How'd that shape up? Well, the first 25 years... Uh, I started uh, in the order buying business when I was 17, so that would be 50 years ago this fall. And uh, anyway, so the uh, we've been my family. My great grandfather was in the business, and my grandfather, and uh, and uh, my father, and me, and now my son. We started. Uh, they talk about how history repeats itself. And uh, I and uh, during the dairy buyout in 1985, I think it was, I flew to California and bought. Uh, a thousand heifers at Modesto and bring them back to uh, Belfouche and turn them on grass west of Belfouche. So when we did that, why uh, my granddad called me. He said, I need you to stop up here. He said, I want to talk to you. And uh, so I stopped to his house and he said, uh, asked me where I was at. And he had a map out and I showed him where I'd shipped these cattle and uh, just out of Modesto. And 50 years to the day within 10 head of my great-grandfather did the exact same thing. The only difference was he put his on the rail, and uh, he drove a old car out there and back, but he put his on the rail and then to uh, Nebraska and then trailed him north, and I put mine on wow. trucks and flew in a jet. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty uh, something how it's been 50 years. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. Was that your first order buying experience there, or that was for yourself? when you, when you... No, 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 huh? that was... Uh, I'd been in the business quite yeah. a while. What was your first order buying experience? My first order buying experience was uh, I had a, a guy that had called me and wanted me to buy him some calves. And uh, so anyway, he wanted me to, uh, or, you know, put them together for him, and I did. And it wasn't very many. And uh, so I, I did put them together. I had them in our pens, and I came, and uh, that was before we didn't use, we didn't have calculators. We did it all with a pencil and a, and a big chief tablet. And uh, anyway, I'd figured the, and I'd made a mistake in my division and figured the price per hundred wrong. And uh, my granddad was happened to be at the scale house and he scratched his head a little bit and he walked out to look at him. He said, I think you made a mistake. And I looked and I turned around and I, he come back in and I said, well, I said, this is what they're going to cost you by the head. And he says, well, I'll take them that way. <laughs> so that was my, I slipped that bullet, but that was my very first uh, true order, I guess, that I had other than, you know, buying for, I, I bought quite a few cattle for Tony Jansma. Yeah. Some people would be familiar with him. He was quite a icon in the, in the industry. And, and, of course, my father and my grandfather and my godfather uh, was a banker in Omaha, and he uh, had a feed yard, and he always gave me orders, and I'd partner with him on cattle and stuff so that was uh that was a long time ago though that was you know i think it speaks very well to how the thompson family's done business if there's four generations of you have have done it now mm -hmm. what lessons did your grandpa and your dad give you that you've passed on to coy on what you do and what you don't do in this business well one thing that i always remember that everybody you know, all my family always said is that no matter what you what happens if you tell somebody you'll do something you do it if it breaks you. And, uh, you know, I guess that's <clears throat> probably one of the, uh, sometimes that's a pretty tough bullet to swallow 
when uh, but you've made a deal you stick to your guns uh, we've been very blessed uh, you know we've had a lot of good people we've had we've had bad deals as there's no yeah. doubt about it we've had bad checks from packing houses uh, we've had uh, you know people that uh, fell apart on us on the backside and we stood up front for the ranch you know if we if we'd bought a ranch's cattle or a string of cattle and the people that we'd sold them to backed out and the market had crashed we still took the cattle and some of those deals were kind of ouchy uh you know i remember some of them deals that took most of your money that you made in the fall to pay for them but uh, yeah that, that that happens that's part of the history of the business but that's what you have to do to keep a reputation for yes that many years yep doing it for that many generations now your family you've probably done business with the same families on the other end for just as long but you've you've bought from and sold to probably the same families all four of your careers i would guess a few of them oh sure yeah um there's uh, some generational families uh, i'll just right off the top of my head because i talked to him this morning as uh, joe painter in buffalo south dakota uh we did business with his uh, grandfather and his father and my dad were best friends and uh, and we still do business today with the painter ranch uh there's just multiple places like that that we've done business the same on the feed yard side of it uh, uh like the timmerman family my granddad did a lot of business with old leo timmerman uh and he and they have big feed yards in nebraska and colorado and stuff but uh you know the timmerman family uh, my great or my grandfather did business with them, and we've done business with them all the way through. Don't do so much these days, but I have. Um, but my dad did a lot of business with the Timmermans, partnered with them, and uh, you know it's just lots of families like that that uh, went on. And you know, and, and of course, there's people that have changed. The industry's changed. We don't see uh, the farmer feeders that we used to. Yeah, uh, we used to have. You know, my dad would have a book full of farmer feeders that bought one load of calves or two loads of yearlings or, uh, you know, maybe a load of broken mouth cows or something. And, it, you know, they'd go all over, you know, Nebraska, eastern South Dakota, Minnesota and uh, Iowa, Illinois. And a lot of those people um, uh, just can't af- couldn't afford to stay in the industry to have the equipment and uh, the help and stuff to feed one load of calves. Uh, now it's, you know, they're, they're either bigger or they either got bigger or they retired and, and uh, you know, just went to being grain farmers or It's not them. a business you can move in and out of every year, every other year and decide you're going to feed this year and then not for five. You kind of have no. to stay hooked if you're going to do it. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're going to be a cattle feeder, especially, you know, you have a facility and stuff to maintain. Yeah. Uh, as you know, the equipment and stuff is so expensive. You know, it, it has to be busy. And that's why these big feed yards do it a lot more competitive uh, because, you know, they, you know, they, they buy a feed truck that costs $400,000, you know, they can feed a lot of cattle with that feed truck and over a period of time. But they need to, to, to make it cost effective. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so it's, uh, uh, so it's, the industry's changed. We've been very blessed to, I've been friends with lots of those people that were, uh, started, uh, very small. I, I, I know like, uh, I'm going to give you an example, pokey feeders. Yep. When they took over uh, and bought, they come from Iowa, knew them not very well, but a little bit. And uh, the, when uh, Joe Morgan went to work and uh, down there in uh, Scott City, Kansas, and they bought Pokey Feeders, it was about uh, 20,000 cattle. Yeah. Um, they, they, they were just on a shoestring the whole time. Joe and his partners, they bought out. The existing owners were in trouble, and they took it over. 
And so my first big deal was with them was uh, a guy by the name of Floyd Van Clay uh, from Sioux Center, Iowa, and my father, Tommy Thompson, and me were sitting watching a, one of the first videos uh, Western had in Ellington Peak. It was selling a lot of Holsteins out in uh, California. So we took, uh, uh, we decided, well, let's think of something we can do to make some money. I said, well, I can lease this ranch from uh, from Melvin Delzer. It's 20-some thousand acres. And I said, he'll just do whatever, you know, kind of whatever. I, I said, I th- I'll call him right now. He said, I'll do that uh, for 10 cents on the gain. And uh, I said, all right. And so anyway, I said, let's just buy a bunch of these Holsteins. They don't look very high. So we, we didn't buy just a load or two. We buy 1,500 of them. And that was quite a learning curve. Just going to jump in and see how deep the water <laughs> yes. really is. Well, the the year before, I would turned out uh, a dozen that I'd bought for my kids to rope. And uh, they'd put on 600 pounds. And I thought, man, this is, easy. This, is this is nothing to this. Well, the, there's a little difference when you bring them out of California way. And we found that you need to have some age on those cattle. They didn't gain that well. But we did uh, sell them to uh, pokey feeders on an up-and-down slide. Joe Morgan... That was his first time and his last time to ever buy cattle that way. <laughs> but he, he, He's still trying to get even with you for that one? Yeah. <laughs> when it was all said and done, they actually, uh, I think they may be made from $5 a head in the feed yard to uh, lose 20 And uh, he was very thankful for that, but they were really high when they got them. But they, his partner drove off when we shipped them, and he said, uh, my dad's standard, we'd been shipping for four days, and, and he says, uh, I wrote out the invoices and stuff, and I asked uh, Cliff, I said, uh, he said, well, I can't write checks. He said, Joe has to write the checks. He got in his car, pick up, and drove off. And my dad said, what kind of an outfit is that? And I said, well, we know where they're at. I guess we'll feed them if they don't pay for them. Well, we... Uh, uh, the check they did pay for him, and uh, but they had to get home and sell the cattle because they didn't have the funds to pay for them. <laughs> we didn't know that till later, but uh, they, we make a big joke about that today. But uh, you know they just didn't have the ability to to uh, float them. So uh, anyway, it, but it worked out good. Now they feed a hundred thousand cattle, and they have multiple ranches. And I actually uh, partner with them a little bit on one ranch, yeah. and there's lots of things there. But they've they've done awfully well, and. And very successful. But what are the biggest changes that you, that right to the top of your head in the, your side of the business that you've had to survive and live through to get to where we are today? Well, I think uh, you know a lot of the changes have have been, uh, you know, with the government uh, programs and stuff that have, uh, you know, really put a crimp in this business at times. Yeah. Regulations, uh, doing things. I remember, you know, when Nixon froze the beef, uh, that was devastating this industry. When we had the dairy buyout back in 85, I mean, that just broke people left and right. And I just, you know, every time you look at this, you know, we had mad cow when that yeah. came out. That was difficult times, very difficult times. Changed the market in 20 minutes. Oh, man, 20 minutes. You know, yeah. when, when the towers went down. Yeah. You know, it just, it was, you know, those kind of things are so emotional to the industry and, uh, you know, and it's, you know, if your timing's wrong and you, you're weight loaded way too heavy, so you kind of got to be careful there as you, as you go along. But, uh, you know, we was able to survive all those times. Uh, but some people, unfortunately, could not. Yeah. Um, that, that'd be one of the things. Uh, some of the good changes that I've seen, uh, 
back when the video industry started, um, uh, they started deciding they could sell cattle over the over the video with a satellite. Why uh, they come to us and talk to us about trying to be involved in that? And a guy uh, with Satellite Cattle Exchange, Paul Engler, that owns Cactus Feeders, yep. he he was kind of the money behind that uh, eventually. But uh, anyway, we started to do that, and me and my father were sitting in our office, and we decided, you know, my dad says, you know, the things are so modern and things are changing so fast he said uh, he said i think we we got to be involved in this is because things is going to change and we need to at least have our hands in it and so we did we started with them uh then just in a year or so that was they was having troubles satellite cattle exchange but uh, jim odell and and buddy jeffers had partnered up and started uh, uh superior livestock what year are we talking here oh roughly? this was had to be in the mid '80s, yeah. I, you know. I, 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 pardon me, Clay. Sometimes I forget dates, but it was '86, '7, yeah. somewhere in 86 there. '86 would be my guess. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there. So anyway, uh, they'd both. Jim had, had had struggled. He'd had some financial difficulties. Uh, he took Buddy in. Uh, Buddy, uh, you know, was a was a good guy. He was married to a Heinz. That didn't hurt. Uh, and so. Anyway, they got That's things. Heinz right. fifty seven. Yes, Heinz yeah. ketchup. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm sure that helped their finances. I don't know, but anyway, they they became a very viable and a very good company. And Jim did it, and Buddy did an awesome job of managing that and uh, and making it what it is today. Um, but that was a good step. That's changed the industry a lot. Uh, just lots and lots of folks give them another option. You know, the old days, uh, you just loaded them up and took them to town, or you had some. Uh, somebody come by and try to trade you out of them this way you can leave them at home and you can show them to the entire world and uh, and it helped the marketing aspect Uh, even me as uh, my family as order buyers cattle buyers cattle relocation specialists whatever you (laughs) want to say but it's it was good for for us not only did it expand our horizons uh, you know we got to meet and do business with a lot of new people uh, met a lot of great people and uh, you know, it's uh, it's been good. I mean, when somebody sits down to you uh, uh, put their calves on, you know, you're showing them to actual probably viable buyers, yeah. 600. Yeah. And that's just an estimate. But uh, that will actually buy that way to, in class of cattle in, at that, in that area. And that don't count how many thousands are actually watching this. Yeah. And it's got so technical, Clay, that uh, some of these guys are doing this with their cell phones. You know, we used to have to have these big dishes all linked up to the... Yeah, and a camera well, that weighed 100 pounds you packed around. Oh, man. Our first camera cost $40,000. There was the same camera that they were using at the at the local TV stations. And it weighed a lot, and you carried it around, and you had big tapes and inch and a quarter tapes that you put in it, and then you would send it off. And You're a cattle buyer, though, not a cinematographer. So right, right. Yeah, and so there was a lot of learning and a lot of learning how to run the dang camera. Yeah. You know, the, just one little f- sl- switch is wrong and you got it rolls. Yeah, yeah. It, it's no good. But it would it worked out uh, and now we do it with our cell phones. You know, uh, it's unbelievable how good a quality of picture and how fast I can send it in and have it up and run and it uh, and the whole world's looking at them. I mean, within minutes. And pretty convenient, you know, we took some video of our calves when we branded this spring. Mm-hmm. They, they looked good that day. They were clean. They were even. So it was just a great time to have some on-the-ground footage from that day. And then we have some from the day we sold them last fall, and you marry those together. 
presents the calves awfully well. And yeah, it's a click of the button on your iPhone. <laughs> yeah. That's it, a little bit of an advancement. Yeah. And even when, uh, uh, when, uh, in the early days of the, of the video deal, before we was even in the video business, when they come out with a VCR deal, uh, I got where I would take some videotapes of a, with a, just a little video camera and take them back to my office and would play them for people as they'd pass through. Yeah. It was pretty handy, you know. I mean, you know, so you look back and you think about that, you know. Somebody come in and say, oh, I got uh, Rex Bergdorf's calves here. Uh you know, this is what they looked like. We got a, we, we took a video of them when we shipped them or when we was up there looking at them, you know, three weeks ago or whatever. And, uh, you know, I remember an old guy that up in Montana, and they went to his place, and he had uh, three loads of Hereford steers. A guy by the name, name of Billy Barnes was working for me. Heard of him. Yeah, and uh, Billy was a character in his own right. Anyway, we uh, we he had these Hereford steers, and this guy had a big, long barn. He was 91 or 2 years old. And he was hand-cleaning that barn because he had a walk-through door in it. And that's where he'd wintered those steers in and out of that barn, gentle as kittens. And we take these uh, calves or these yearlings, and I take a video of them. And uh, anyway, so just out there in the pasture, and they're walking all over. She can't hardly get them pushed away. And uh, we go back, and his wife invited us in the house. And I said, do you folks have a TV? And she says, yeah. She said, our uh, our son got us one and it's on the counter there but we never play the dang thing you don't and uh, it was just a little old tiny portable tv and i said well let's yeah, let me hook this up and she said to go back to the time she said would you like a soda and i said she said we've got some they give it away with the groceries some years ago and we've never drank the dang stuff but i got some if you'd like one Okay, they brung up these antique bottles of soda pop, and the r- lids was rusted on them. But the, the <laughs> out of the cellar, but the 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 soda was good. But You're anyway, a special guest to get that. Yes, and so I played that for him on that TV, and uh, they slapped uh, his leg, and his wife slapped him on the back, and said, "Modern technology, what will they think of next?" <laughs> but uh, and we took that video, and actually, it helped sell the cattle. I took them to. Uh, uh, down to uh, the hills, and I showed them to a couple of farmer feeders, and yeah. and they actually got to arguing over them, and I got them sold pretty good for them. And so, I mean, it you know, it's funny how things develop, evolve over time. Part of the equation there is the delivery of the cattle, and you have to have a guy repping for you on your end that the buyer believes in, and you've clearly mastered that. I know you buy a lot of cattle over the phone. They don't even look at them. They they believe what Ted tells them. How how long does that take to establish? Well, uh, that takes time. Um, I don't know how to, uh, you know, it it just takes time for people to gain trust in you, uh, you know, to know what you're, uh, you know, what you're describing, and uh, you know, it's that's one thing about the country business. You know, you you know anybody can go to the sale barn and look at the color and the weight on the, the as they walk in, but to go out and uh, uh, look at the actual cattle and decide. Well, they're going to weigh 875 pounds on these steers, and and uh, the, you know, the first of September or whatever it may be, and and you know, you try to do lots of things to help analyze that. You know, if people would happen to have caught weight on them in the spring, you know, you study the grass a little bit and yep. the conditions and things, and you can still heck, I can still miss a chicken 10 pounds. <laughs> but you know, if you had uh, uh, 
you know, the experience of that and be able to describe the kind and uh, people trust you on what, you know, they know, you know what they like, uh, what there are some people don't have to have them the best in the world. And uh, they want to buy them accordingly, of course, but it's usually, uh, uh, it just takes time. You know, uh, people get faith in you and you hope not to disappoint them. And, uh, but it takes a long time, I guess, you know. Yeah. You did me a favor. Seems like Fives was probably 15 years ago now. He took me to a, a video sale, and I sat with you and a, several cattle buyers. And as the day progressed, I watched uh, delivery conditions are 50% of the decision-making process for a lot of those guys. And you explained a lot of that to me. Uh, and everybody thinks it's just pretty straightforward. You throw your calves in at a weight, and you let them sell. But there's there's way more. It's more of an art than that. There's, yeah, there's there's quite a little to it, you know. Delivery conditions, uh, f- you know, freight to the scale, uh, way up, way ups, you know. Uh, you have to be fair. You have to be fair to the producer, but you have to be fair on the to the buyer. And uh, I've seen more deals go south because uh, somebody, you know, they going to gather them as soon as possible, but they didn't pin them till eleven o'clock in the morning and didn't, you know, and weighed them full of sticks and uh, yeah. the cattle, the the you know, which was would be very unfair probably the cattle would uh, shrink way too much even if they went to a place that uh, maybe didn't weigh them off the trucks and that's very rare anymore but everybody wants to know the weights off the trucks and they need to know what their shrink was like but it also hurts the performance of the cattle because they're very disappointed at the end you know the cost of gain goes through the roof i mean it makes a huge difference and i'm not saying that they have to be you just have to be fair and uh, so that makes a difference on, you know, what, how the cattle are, the, the price of the cattle, you know, how they're handled, uh, their location. Uh, now today, uh, the way this uh, freight rate is today is such an unknown. It is so expensive to ship these cattle very far. And, uh, you know, we're looking at some real issues. And the trucking industry is, is really suffering with this high-priced fuel, high-priced tires. Uh, everything is overpriced, no labor. Can't find truck drivers, and I'm really worried about uh, this fall when we get into these big sales, that uh, which I don't think will be as big as they've been like last year because the difference in the weather, but also a difference in the market's good, and a lot of people have getting their cattle sold early. Uh, These video sales have been huge, and uh, my brother has a trucking company, and he told me the other day, if you want one scheduled, you better get her done before the first of October. Because he said, we're having trouble uh, finding enough trucks to do stuff right now the first and second week of September, trying to get enough trucks. And uh, I think we get into those sales, Clay. I'm a little bit worried that, uh, not to say anything against the sale barns, uh, I mean, I make a living there, but I'm saying that, you know, it's going it, to, the market might go struggling. Because if I go to a sale and some days we buy 2,000 calves, but if I can't haul them, I ain't buying them. Because they melt like butter, yeah. And uh, you just have too many health deals. Same thing on the video. That you know that when we do uh, the video business on this health, you know you've seen the vaccination programs, Vac twenty four, Vac thirty four, Vac forty five. You know those people are confident that those cattle got some vaccinations in them, and they're going to deliver them in a timely fashion, deliver them that day, versus stand for two days in a dusty old pen somewhere. Uh, the, it makes a huge difference on the bottom line. Changes and, their performance when they get there. Oh boy, yeah. And death loss goes way through the roof. And we've done all kinds of studies, and you know I've had feed yards that could, could pull records and show you. And you know there's a reason 
that they like to give something for one at home. Yeah. You know. You mentioned briefly the the programs that we have available to us in this day and age. Uh, do you think that's becoming more of a standard, more of an expectation on the buy-in side, or there's still some people that are a little more traditional, just treated as such, and and still buy cattle? And Clay, that's a good question. I think that uh, there's always a home for all the specialty programs. You know, we have the the all natural programs. Uh, you know, the uh, or say age and source verifications. Uh, you know, you know, non implant, hormone free, uh, uh, all. Uh, all those programs, there is a home for them, but it is, you know, there's only a limited amount of people that can actually fit those programs. There's still uh, a lot, a lot of people that are commercial feeders that uh, don't want to fool with those programs. Um, it's very expensive. I fed cattle. Uh, I feed cattle all the time. I fed cattle in those programs, and to be honest with you, you got to get a big premium for them yep. because it costs a lot. And you, of course, obviously, you you know, if you have a critter that gets a bad eye or gets foot rot, you've got a doctor, you and they and they come out of the program, and uh, which is understandable, and uh, then they go into the, you know, the regular cattle deal. But uh, it's uh, yeah, the, you know, it's a great thing to have those special. It's it creates a market for you know that there's a supply and demand for that, and uh, you know, not everybody can do it. I still you know some people tell me that all they went through all that program and they sold them and they said they didn't you know they didn't bring enough to cover the expense to do it yep. but the next guy all of a sudden he's his bring ten dollars a hundred more and don't ask me why and they're a fan yeah and and and, and I, I you know it's typical when you get in an auction business you know you get two people fighting over something that might not even you know might not be near this good a cattle that was they just sold uh an hour before and they'll bring ten, fifteen dollars, a hundred yeah. over. That's the auction way. Yeah. And I mean, uh, and of course, people like to do people business with people they're familiar with. Yeah. You know, like if you've sold your calves, I'm sure your father sold his calves and you uh, to the same guy quite a few times. Those times change, but you know, hopefully that guy still wants to come around and buy them. And even though you're putting them on the video this year. Uh, I happen to know that, but anyway, <laughs> the, the, that uh, they, uh, you know, creates people want, you know, they'll competition over them. And by God, I'm going to, yep. you know, we I have several sets of cattle that uh, I have a big string of yearlings in Nebraska, and I have guys that are beating on the table. I'm going to own part of them one day. And uh, there's some pretty big players that found out how good they feed. They've kept track of them. Um, one outfit that I, I sell thousands and thousands of cattle to, it's their favorite deal. And their old dad was one of my best friends, and he bought them no matter what. And uh, this year they weakened on 500 of them in one <laughs> deal, but uh, uh, they were plenty high, to, uh, yeah. you know. And uh, so, but, you know, so you build those reputations, you know, how the cattle feed, the performance, and, and they know what they are, and those people are, are hard to take away. And you only hope that you can get several people that have that position and get the chance to own your livestock and fight over them a little bit. And but again, same. that's the auction away. Yeah, and the <laughs> same at the sale at the sale barn. It ain't always on the video business, you know. Yep. I'll yeah. call customers and say, you know, Clay Berkland's calves are in in uh, Belfouche today, and uh, they say, by God, we want them back. You know, they did awful good. The yep. health was good on them, and and. Uh, you know, you got a truck. Yeah. yeah. Question number two: Do you have Do you have the money and do you have a truck? Yeah. What do you, as you look into the crystal ball, what changes do you see coming? What's going to impact us 
I mean, weather obviously impacts us on a yearly basis. Uh, see any big changes coming in the industry? I don't see, you know, we're, we're enjoying a really good time right yep. here. We had way too much expense getting here. Uh, as you know, being in the banking industry, you know, what the, you know, the cost of feed and all that, you know, it, it's just been way too high. Two years of borrowing money to buy hay. Yes, yes. And so, you know, hopefully we're, we're going to get that, a lot of that catch our breath here. Yep. But I think the industry's in pretty good ground. You know, the, the, the biggest thing is, excuse me, is the, this dry conditions, you know, it's been so dry, clear to the Texas border, uh, and uh, it's you know that has a huge effect our cow numbers it's just unbelievable to, to me that how many cows we've liquidated in the industry and uh, you know we can talk about you know montana wyoming south dakota and north dakota and nebraska here but uh the huge liquidation too has been in the southern plains unbelievable amount and they're still coming and uh, i've people have Friends of mine, customers of mine that I send a lot of wheat pasture cattle to or whatever, do business with, they send me pictures of these uh, lined up, looks like, a, you know, a fire sale. They'd be lined up for three miles with goosenecks, uh, straight trucks, little bumper hitch trailers, selling cows. Just, and just bringing it to town. And just give up. And uh, it's, uh, it's you know, send me pictures of just, you know, heart-wrenching. These people just, you know, that maybe only run 30, 40 cows, but they're out of the business. But they're out, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and there's some areas here, you know, I, I met with a guy yesterday. They're selling all their cows. And it was down in that Philip country, and, it, you know, not only did it never rain, but it hailed and stormed, and they said, we're not going to do this again. We just can't. And now the it. grasshoppers are starting to show up. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I think, uh, so this industry, you know, like you said, the drought uh, is a big, big deal. Uh, it's going to take us a long time to build those numbers back. So I think we're on pretty good ground. I do believe, you know, our population is getting better. Our exports have been good. Yep. I know we import some beef too, but I'm still saying that our exports have been very good. Uh, you know, but you tell me what the Chinese and and uh, what the, our federal government's going to do. Uh, you know, we're only a pen stroke away from bringing us tears as you yeah. know you know and in, in, in all aspects of the industry i don't care if it, it might be even in the banking industry yep. all of a sudden rules and regulations and and we need to we need to have less regulations and and uh, i will well. agree with that wholeheartedly <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's my thought on it anyway but i i still think we're in really good shape as we work, walk down the road here for a while i think we've got several good years coming with us and You've generationally worked with grandpa's parents, grandkids transition and, and walk them through the transition of their places. What a you've given me some awful good advice. What what advice would you give the generations coming on right now to stay viable and keep the family place rolling? Well, I'm, I'm trying to drag the little triangle picture out of you, what I'm after <laughs> yeah. that she drew for me. Well, can you put that to words and without a picture? Yeah. Well, uh, walk softly. Uh, you know, try to, you know, you need, you need accountants and, uh, uh, obviously lawyers too, I guess, but, uh, to try to figure out, you know, how you can walk softly, uh, you know, some I've seen in generations where they'll come in and, and, uh, they'll end up with a ranch. And the first thing they do is go buy two new pickups and a, and a big, uh, new farmhand tractor or whatever. And, uh, you know, pretty soon, you know, they may, you know, pretty soon they're out of cash. Yep. And, uh, you know, 
I, that's all I'm saying is, you know, just walk softly, uh, pay attention to what you're doing, and, and you can survive in this business, and you can expand. I've watched, I'm watching it happen now, yeah. that people that have uh, been conservative, um, you know, do a good job of trying to marketing their livestock. They don't have to hit the highs. Just try not to hit the lows. Uh, my old godfather one time, and I think I've shared this with you, Clay, but one time where I'm driving, and him and I are partners on 400 yearlings in Montana, they don't have no air conditioning in my pickup. He's wearing a business suit. He'd flew in and got a white shirt on and dress slacks and Oxford shoes. And uh, dust is rolling in one of them old country roads, and we're clear up there the other side of Ridge, so you know what, where we were at. Dusty in that part of the world. <laughs> yeah. And so he said, I said, tell me about the market. And he said he drew a big A on the dash of my pickup and drew a line through it. And he said, everybody wants to sell them at the top and above this line and, and uh, sell them th- and buy them at the bottom. He said, I don't. I just want to beat the average a little bit on the sell side and on the bottom side buying them. Just to, and he was very, very successful. If you do it year in and year out, yep. you'll be okay. And some of those guys try to wait for the highs, uh, get smarter than the market. Um, I can't tell you the stories. I could write a book on people that thought they had a yeah. 1,000 yearlings and thought they needed another quarter of 100 and uh, – I drove off, and, and three weeks later, they took $7 a hundred less, yeah. and uh, that happens. I mean, it, it's just, you know, it all looks great right now, but we we could still have something happen here, you know, and so be satisfied. If you got a good market and you got profitability, don't be afraid to take profits. Yep. We, uh, we have an internal saying that you can't hit a home run every time you come up to bat. No. But if you get a base hit every time, you'll be there forever. And yeah. We, we sure like base hits. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a great attitude to have, and sometimes you're going to get st- struck out, but <laughs> <laughs> if you get a base hit more often than not, you'll be okay. Yes, yes. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the business we're in, and we both enjoy quite a few of the same customers and friends, but uh, the characters we meet in this business. Uh, good one of ours is Randy Curtis. He's gone now. Uh, I think. Uh, Dean Strong, some of those. Who's your, who are your favorite characters you've worked with over time? And oh, I know that list could go on. For oh my God, yeah, that several hours. But yeah, that's uh, Jim Clarkson. They'd be right at the yeah, top. Yeah, oh yeah, there guys like Jim and them. Now yeah, they're great. They're great to work with. Um, we've partnered and done a lot of things. Uh, I guess uh, some of the the great ones like Joe Morgan with Pokey Feeders. Watch him grow and and uh, the friendships that we've developed uh, through his cartel or whatever. You know, those guys have been been a lot of fun, uh, but uh, very good businessmen, and uh, and uh, they've had some bad ups and bad downs, you know. I mean, they, they things that didn't always work out, but, uh, you know, those, some of those kind of people, and then you know, locally, too, the, you know, like the Dean Strong, I've been through thick and thin with him. Most of it was his fault. <laughs> uh, you know, Jim Madden, uh, a lot of the older generation will remember Jim yeah. Madden. Uh, Jim Madden was... Uh, uh, I really looked up to him when I, I went to work for him when I was 11 years old, and uh, that was my first job, and I worked through him, for him all through high school and uh, rode the ring for him the last two years of high school. Never went to school five days in a row. That's why I'm not very smart. So, <laughs> hey, you kids listening out there, go to school. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, he uh, those characters like that, like you mentioned, Randy Curtis, some of those guys, you know, they were characters, you know. Um, Tony Jansma, he was he – was, uh, quite a man tony was he was a big player uh done a lot of things had uh, 
more guts than the law should allow. You know, I mean, my God, that guy could would swing, you know, and he'd have a 500 calves too high, just buy another 500, try to cheapen them up. And if that didn't work, he'd put another 500 on them. <laughs> it was... Uh, don't tell mom. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, don't tell mom. But uh, anyway, that you know, those some of those people were real characters, and uh, some of them were very successful. Some of them uh, maybe didn't when they passed. It wasn't as successful as they'd been at one time, but that's okay. But there, you know, there's lots of you know great, great people in the industry, and and uh, you know, I've I've been very blessed to been around a lot of those characters. You know the. Fringe benefit, I guess, maybe of that is the number of people that you know and the relationships that you have as you reach out into the other things you do. Um, days of 76, how many of those people do you do business with professionally and have fun with? Right. I know it's a hell of a lot of work, but the days of 76 is, is something you enjoy doing and putting on. And got to be a lot of crossover between those events for you. Yeah, you know, the cattle industry is in uh, the rodeo industry is so small. And, uh, like I remember one time being in the Thomas and Mac in Las Vegas and, uh, anyway, I, uh, Kathy couldn't go the one performance and, uh, Mackenzie Haley was, uh, Miss Rodeo America. And, uh, so her mother went with me and, and, uh, to the Thomas and Mac and, uh, to, she took Kathy's seat for the, that performance in the rodeo. And, uh, so she, she rode out with me and we went into the Thomas and Mac and uh, it took us quite a while just to get sat down. And finally we got sat down and she says, do you know everybody in this building? <laughs> and I, I looked around, you know, and I didn't know everybody, but I knew a lot of people. And they were in the cattle business and rodeo business. A lot of people were rodeoed uh, full-time or part-time. Or, and so, like, uh, you know, I've got to know so many people in the rodeo industry. But most of them are all country people. Yeah. You know, they're cattle cattlemen. Uh, uh, Cody Old, or not Cody, uh, uh, Cody Lee, just the other day, I uh, got him lined up to start feeding cattle at Pokey Feeders. Yeah. Uh, he, he's from South Texas and feeds a lot of cattle in, in uh, West Texas. And, and uh, anyway, Dan Mundorf, big stock contractor, timed event, used to have all the rough stock deal with Frontier and Salt River. I got him. He's driving down the road one day and in the middle of the night and called, and I was driving down the road. And I was going to Oklahoma to weigh cattle or something, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and we were having a long conversation on our mobile phones, and I said, uh, he could sell his bulls really high, his cows, and he raised some awesome bucking bulls. And so they took the cows, and I, t I said, sell them. Them crippled old things, I mean, they, oh, you know, they're just a bunch of junk. If you'd have them up here in South Dakota, you'd throw rocks at them. Uh, but they did raise some buckers. And uh, so anyway, he sold those and, and eventually sold out of the horse deal too. And he sold it all to Jerry Nelson, which is uh, Frontier now. But uh, anyway, uh, Dan started feeding cattle. And uh, now today, I talked him into doing some of that, doing a little of it, you know, here and there. And, and today he, uh, I don't know how many he feeds, but I, I know that last week he closed out 800 and he closed out 600 the week before, and that's on a weekly basis. He feeds yeah. thousands of cattle. And uh, my friend Joe Morgan and I were driving around in his feed yard one day five, six years ago, and uh, he pulled up and he slammed on the brakes and he said, who's cattle? And I said, Mundorf's. And you could tell because they come out of South Texas, a lot of them, and pretty plain. And... Uh, We'd drive around a while, and he'd come to the next one, slam on the brakes. Who's cattle? It's Mundorf. And he says, you got to have a talk with him. He said, you, he's got to learn to feed better kind. Yeah. 
And so we get back to the office, and I said, Joe, go pack your bag. He said, pack my bag? I said, yeah, go pack your bag. We're going to go learn something. Yeah, I said, we're going to go down there and see how he does this. He's the only one making any money. <laughs> one character that I, that I will, that I, that was a real character in this industry was Jim Howard, had Black Hills Pack. He was a great friend. I partnered with that guy, and that guy was more fun than a barrel of monkeys. And, and he had stories that we could never talk on air about. But the, he was a great man. Now, those, you know, some of those Daryl Hoare and those kind of yeah. people. Yeah. I uh, was able to meet both Dan and Dylan Mundorf through you, and they provided cattle for us for the high school finals for several years. And they, they've had stock con or timed event cattle how many places over time now? That, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, and, and since for a long, long time, and right, right now, Dan told me this morning he called me, and he's on um, next Monday. He's got two breakaway ropes and, and plus the PRCA rodeo in uh, Rapid City first performance. And he said, uh, he said it's a good thing Dylan's not a girl because he'd be having a baby because he never says no. He <laughs> says so, uh, but they so they're still at it. Then. Yeah, and he was in Idaho today. Dan was and Dylan. I don't know where he's at, but they they got so many going on, so many cattle around. But they'll take all those calves and they market their steers, uh, uh, you know, off the rodeo deal. But the calves they'll feed and take them all the way. Yeah. Friend of ours told me one time, Scott Peterson. He said anybody can give money to something, but when you're really giving something, you're giving your time, and you've given a lot of time to Days of '76. To rope and steers in this part of the world, and uh, some queen contests in this part of the world, uh, shed a little light on that for me. Yeah, you know, uh, I rodeoed a little bit, and I got married awful young, and uh, so you know, started having a family right away. I didn't get to go very far, you get to go a lot, uh, but uh, you know, I started when after I got married, you know, and I'd help, and I'd help the Black Hills Roundup, uh, and help uh, Deadwood, Saint Ange, and pretty soon as Time progressed, you know, and I was still going to a few rodeos, but I finally quit doing that when my kids got to taking all my good horses and they were rodeoing. And and uh, so I got to helping Deadwood. I guess I've been on that committee 37 or 8 years now. Um, and uh, when they put me on, Andy Ridley got me to get on there. And uh, I was big friends with the Ridley family. And, and I'd been helping them, but they wanted me on the committee. And and Andy said, what's your goal? And I said, well, I said, when we get to 10,000 added, I'd say that would be a successful run. And he said, uh, oh, that'll never happen. We were at 700. Yeah. And we were at 10,000 this year on the 100th. Wow. And we did most of it 250 at a time. So that'll tell you how how many years I've been on Slow there. Slow drip to get there. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we got there, and the rodeo was very successful. We had people... Uh, uh, so mad at me, I had little old ladies chew me out on the street because we changed the dates. They said, you can't change the date of a, a celebration. And I said, well, either that or we, we're done. Fold up our tent, yeah. Because uh, actually there was uh, six of us personally signed a note to to hold it one more time. And uh, we were in the red big time. Do or die, huh? Yeah, we were dead. And, yeah. you know, we're going to have to dig in our own pockets to finance the deal. And uh, anyway, so... We got it. We got it. To, we changed the dates. Uh, you know, we, we used to be a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now we started on Sunday and went through Saturday night. Um, you know, we had. I think we had one more bulldogger than Cheyenne this year. 
Uh, you know, I mean, it's got to be a pretty big deal. Uh, the crowds are unbelievable. This sold out, you know, thir- uh, Friday night, Saturday night, were sold out. They were putting signs in the street, sold out two hours before the perf, you know. Uh, you could still get in if you wanted to walk around the backside and, and stand by the beer tent and, and just stand uh, for $10 or something, I guess. But <clears throat> we almost sold out Wednesday night, Thursday night. Yeah, biggest crowds I've ever seen there. And, uh, of course, we had all the best in the world. And all these rodeos, you know, or, you know, Belfouche and all those rodeos have been really coming around and been but very the best successful. recognition for you is Rodeo of the Year oh, how many times? Now? 19 times. 19 times. And been nominated um, every year Yeah. Uh, for a long, long time. Uh, you know, but, the uh, we, yeah, when we changed, you know, just started doing all those changes, um, yeah, we, we've uh, – won it 19 times rodeo of the year and and uh, i wouldn't doubt that we don't get nominated again that'd be maybe <laughs> there's a chance maybe but very recognizable venue though which is in your favor and yeah. a little cool at the right time of the year and yeah and a and a heck of a good production yeah it's uh it's quite a world you know we're talking about the small how the cattle business and the rodeo business go hand in hand and and uh you know, there's lots of those cowboys that are, you know, they're they're just rodeoing in the circuit, you know, and and uh, ranching, or whatever they may be doing, but involved in agriculture, and uh, so you know, it's it's a big deal to them to be able to, you know, go to the Deadwood where there's a lot of money added, and have we're having the circuit finals coming up here pretty soon for the steer yeah. ropers. And when did you start steer roping the Deadwood? I can't remember. 2000-ish? Yeah, yep. somewhere in there. Uh, 20 years ago, probably. 20-some yeah. years ago, probably. And that was kind of the first one back in South Dakota yeah. at the mm-hmm. time. And, and now you've got how many in the circuit? Oh, man. Yeah, quite a few. You know, we're having a standalone. We're having two standalones here. Got one coming right up. And the one also, uh, uh, we've got one in first October in Rapid City. Uh, plus, um, you know, the rodeos that are doing the, the – and then, of course, we let – the other rodeos, you know, Baker, Montana, and those kind, mm-hmm. all count towards our circuit. Yep. We share that. If uh, You're being a little modest here. I think you have quite a bit to do with how, getting started in this part of the world back up again. So. Yeah, well, yeah, probably. I mean, we, and, you know, and I've volunteered. I was in the National High School Rodeo Director, yeah. and uh, Tom Miller talked me into doing helping him, and, and then I took over for Tom after he was there two years, I think, and then uh, and I was there for, we went to, Ten in a row, I think, in national high school finals, and so that's what we did do that, you know. So, and uh, but then um, we also, you know, I served on some advisory boards for the PRCA, um, and uh, so that's been fun. You know, got to know a lot of those people, the commissioners to the the boards and stuff. So it's you know, you know, you got to meet a lot of people. I got some great, great friends that come through the rodeo industry, and some of them big time cattle feeders, and I don't know any business with them. But, yeah, you know. But you like the same thing, so. Oh yeah, we're big buddies, you know. But they in a different region, you know. They work out of Texas or yeah. something, you know. And, and uh, anyway, we had one show up at Deadwood, Adrian McDonald, and he was the national high school rodeo director in in Texas for a long time, and him and I were always in trouble because we were all for all about the kids, and we didn't care about us. Yeah, and uh, so uh, we made some great memories, and and uh, people would uh, get a little disgusted with us, but it all come down to the bottom line. It, you know, I always said this rodeo is going to happen in spite of 
itself. But, uh, you know, we were for the kids, and we didn't care about the politics part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, it's been quite a ride. It was a lot of fun. Talk briefly on some of the queen contest involvement you've had. That's been pretty oh, varied and multi-states yep. and multi-organization. Yeah, that we, we uh, helped a lady by the name of uh, Jane Sager, Jane Moore, um, back in, uh, she was, uh, Bill Shufted always took care of the Miss Rodeo South Dakota contest for years. And Bill retired and Jane took over and she it was just a one person doing it. And uh, so we decided that me and Kathy thought we should help her. And uh, we were at the Butte-Lawrence County Fair, and I was on the fair board. I remember that. And uh, she happened to be there, Jane, and we was visiting with her. And uh, she was talking about the struggles of trying to have the contest, and it was basically she was having a contest in Belfouche, and that was it. And and then the girl would struggle. Now, we had uh, uh, my dad's uh, goddaughter, um, Leslie Patton, she became Miss Rodeo America. He'd he'd helped her, but you know, they, if they wanted to go on, they didn't have any funds. They didn't have enough money to buy boots. You know, I mean, not necessarily her, but I mean, yeah, she. You know, she, it was tough. So we jumped in, and Kathy and I, we got. I called my friend Doug Johnson, had Johnson Ford, uh, John Revere. Uh, she'd been a former Miss Rodeo South Dakota. Um, we put a group together like that, and uh, Kevin McPherson, I think he was yep. one of the first ones that was on with us, and we put it together a Miss Rodeo South Dakota board, incorporated board, and uh, promoted and raised funds and was able to help the girl get there and have the contest and also help get them to Las Vegas, and uh, and it, were, it was very successful. And uh, ended up, uh, I even served on the board for the Miss Rodeo America deal. Uh, uh, on the advisory council, I guess, or whatever. But uh, what I'm hearing is, if somebody needs a board member, they can just call Ted, and he'll say yes. Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, I think I'm going to start limiting some of this, but uh, you know, and, and uh, it was time for all that stuff to pass and go on. You know, it's uh, uh, my wife still helps a lot of those young girls. She loves helping the girls, and so they come to her. Some of them are seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and she's helping them and. And uh, she loves to do that. And but it's not like one out of ten does well. They historically all finish right there in the top five or so. so yeah. I think some yeah. pretty good help coming out of that circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's and yeah, we've been. It was very fortunate. A lot of them, Miss Rodeo South Dakota's went on and did very well. Became you know Mackenzie Haley became Miss Rodeo America. Um, you know we had lots of them real close or yeah. right there in the top few. And and Mackenzie was one of my favorite ones. I remember because she was always. She was one of the most well-spoken kids I've ever been around when I was involved with high school rodeo. She could she oh could give a speech and have her the whole room hanging right there. She was she was awesome. Yeah, I remember she went to after she was Miss Rodeo America and uh, Ashley Andrews from Bowman. She was one we we helped her be even though she was from North Dakota. But uh, anyway, uh, Ashley uh, or uh, Mackenzie, I remember being in Las Vegas and she her reign was over with and she was. They'd hired her to come do a promotion, but the promoter forgot to pay her, and uh, she was broke, didn't have any cash on her, didn't have a credit card, and, uh, you know, she, heck, she, here's a college girl, been just been Miss Rodeo America, you know, but they don't make any money, yeah. and uh, anyway, she come to me, and she, and uh, I could see something was wrong, and, and I... And I and I put my arm around her, and I said, "You okay?" And she says, "No." And she started crying. She said, uh, "She says I'm I don't have any cat, any money. They, the boogers left me hanging high and dry." 
She says, I got a plane ticket to go home, but it ain't for two days. And uh, anyway, I, I give her some cash. And uh, her and I were that close, you know, and I, and, uh, you know, I mean, we still are very close. We, you know, we visit with her. And we'll see her somewhere, and she, I'll hear her scream. We'll be at a rodeo somewhere, and here comes her and her family. She's married to a very successful doctor in Oklahoma City, but you'll hear her scream, and there's no doubt who that <laughs> is. And, yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. So you and Kathy have always had some horses around, and started out they were yours, and then they moved on to your kids, and now you've got some grandkids. It looks like must have kind of decent horses oh yeah they're doing okay i guess but uh, yeah that was kathy and i we'd have horses and raise horses and we'd have something that we you know i think boy i'm gonna i'm gonna go some ropings on this bugger you know well, pretty soon coy is riding them or katie or kelly or something and they and they my kids were very successful they're very fortunate they always seemed to get by pretty good on some old nag that we'd happen to come up with <laughs> but uh, uh yeah they now the grandkids, same thing. I lost a horse this spring that I'd bought for a real nice gilding, and he's been going to the he's going to the high school finals. He went to the uh, going to the 4-H finals, and I mean, you know, I haven't I haven't rode him, and the kids got to ride grandkids. You know, You'll uh, probably ha happily keep preparing those horses for them, I would guess. That. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I I got one now that I ride a lot, and I. And I haven't shared him yet. I said, that's Grandpa's horse, stay away. And uh, he might buck you off and bite you and strike you. But, but should, we, should we take bets on how long this is going to last before somebody else is riding it? Well, yeah, we could, I guess. <laughs> Try. Anything else you'd add, Ted, to observations of this business we're in and the people we get to know and yeah, advice kind of, to the next generation? Yeah, we're, we're pretty blessed, Clay. We are. You and I. Uh, you get to deal with a lot of great people in the, in the ag industry, and and uh, you know you work for a great company with Pioneer Bank. Um, you know I'm very blessed to get to you know uh, work with all the people I get to work with. Um, you know I I just you know I think people hang around people that are successful and people that you want to be like. Yeah. You know if you want to be a thug, hang around with the thug because that's what you'll end up being. But if you want to be if you want to be somewhat successful in life, and the success isn't always measured by finances, right. but you know you know hang out with the right people. That would be my advice. Yeah. As, uh, you know I I'm so blessed that uh, like Coy, my son, uh, some of his friends are 80, 90 years old that he talks to weekly. Uh, he calls them out of the blue because they're they're his friends. Yeah. And uh, you know he's pallbearers to some of the guys that were my dad's customers you know i mean he uh at their funeral i mean that's to me that's success yeah and uh, you know that's that'd be my advice to the next generations coming up to keep you know hang out with the right kind of people yeah you know if you're if you don't hang out with the thugs well it's easy to give instruction but it may be the hardest thing to do is set the example and i think you've your volunteerism, which is something I appreciate so much in people, uh, as you said, is always about the kids. And I see you establish that first generation, and they'll grow into somebody to raise a good kid too. And yeah. That, that's a pretty good lesson there that you, you led by example, not by just telling. I appreciate that a lot. And always be good to the children because they grew up to be adults <laughs> and do business. <laughs> I can tell you lots of those stories. Yeah, Very true. 
Well, thank you very much for your time, Ted. I've enjoyed this a lot. I hope everybody that listens enjoyed it, enjoys it as much as I had putting it together. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you, Clay. It's been good, been good to hang out with you for a day. Thank you, Ted. Pioneer Bank and Trust, member FDIC.